Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Maya Angelou writes, My mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive, and to do so with some compassion, some passion, some humor, and some style. Words to live by, I reckon. And Cynthia O'Kelly writes, for a seed to achieve its greatest expression, it must come completely undone. The shell cracks, its insides come out, and everything changes. To someone who doesn't understand growth, it would look like complete destruction. Whew. That quote has got me through a little bit this week with the world in the state that it's in. Maybe we are actually just on the road to something even better. Hello and welcome to Just Make The Thing. This is a podcast for people who want to start a thing or change a thing and keep on going with it. I'm Claire Tonti, co-founder of the Planet Broadcasting Podcast Network, and this episode is an open-hearted chat with my yoga teaching lawyer friend, Chanel Luchev. More and more, I'm discovering that the road to making something or doing something is not only about consistency and committing to the work. It's also a path to discovering who you actually are, what you like about yourself, what things you don't and how to navigate them, and ultimately what circumstances you have found yourself in that need to be managed so you can make change and keep going. It can be some heavy old stuff there, right? So with that in mind, this week, Chanel and I have a lot of feelings about the world and particularly about being a woman in it. If you're a bloke, please don't pop this episode in the women's stuff basket and switch off just yet. Stay with us. What we have to say might just surprise you. And if you are a bloke or a gal with a woman in your life who you think might like this episode, please share it. Increasingly, it is becoming clear that the world needs us to listen to each other if we're ever going to get anywhere with any of it, whether it be equal pay or the Me Too movement or creating more women's clothing with pockets, which I am highly in favor of. Chanel speaks openly in this episode about what it's like to be a woman working in law and a woman of African heritage in this country. We discuss The Handmaid's Tale and its impact. So a few spoiler alerts if you haven't watched the show and ultimately we come to some interesting conclusions about why just making a thing when you're a woman might just be that bit harder. Okay guys, off we go. Hello Chanel. Hi Claire. Hello, it's been a while. It has. It's been ages. Yeah, a lot actually. Of, a lot of things have happened. <laughs> yeah. So many things have happened. How are you? Um, I cut my hair. And I decided to stop straightening it, which is a big thing for me. Yeah. And I'm still getting used to it. It looks awesome. I straightened my hair for 10 years. Bloody hell. Oh, God. It's like, amazing. Like, like roughly 10 years, 10, 11 years. Not every time, but for the most part, I straightened mm. it. And then my hair started to f- die because of all of the fallout. Yeah, <laughs> fallout, all of the heat. 
So I decided to leave it curly and I'm having adjustment issues. Let's put it that way. Conniptions. Yes. Because I, I feel like it's a bit unprofessional. Yeah, you said that to me when mm. you walked in. Mm. And that really surprises me. Mm. Well, but then I was telling you that I was reading this book, Americana, about a Nigerian woman that moves to America. And then I also watched that documentary, The Rachel Divide. Mm-hmm. And in both of those, they talked about african-american women and their hair particularly or african women in general and that it's very it's different you need to use different products you need to care for it differently i Um, mean my because of my genetic makeup my hair is not super frizzy curly so mm. it's probably a bit easier i'd say it's probably easier to manage but there is work involved in curly hair and especially since i've been straightening it for so long my hairdresser said my hair is got a bit of an identity crisis <laughs> and doesn't know what it is. So she's like, you need to be a bit precious with it for the next little while until it goes back to normal. Yeah. And and as I was saying, saying to you before, like I just feel like um, it just say, it feels to me, I know I've kind of been socially conditioned to think a certain way, but it feels to me that curly hair just seems slightly less professional. And it's stupid because my hair is my hair and everybody has different hair and why should everybody have the same look? Mm. But I think I'm just – used to conforming like the industry I work in is pretty conservative I work in the public service that's a quite conservative um the job that I do the people I work with are quite a bit older than I am they're fairly conservative so as well mostly male all anglo-saxon yeah I already feel a little bit like uh, a sore thumb sort of being younger of a different of a physically looking like I have a different ethnicity Mm. that to me sometimes even feels slightly uncomfortable and even though the job is the job and I was hired for my skill set and for my brain for my intellect I'd like to think there's still something about the physicality that you present to the world and what impression you make Mm. absolutely and I think for me um part of that is needing to look, feeling like I need to look neat. Mm. And maybe neatness to me is akin to sort of straight, clean, tidy, including straight hair. Do you think that this is going to sound kind of racist, but Mm. also a bit whitened? Yes. White? Yes. Like you need to look like you have white hair and conform to European or Mm Anglo-Saxon ways? No, I would. 100%. Yeah. Because, I mean, the public service, for the most part, especially the older generation, people that have been there for like 10 to 15 years or longer, there's a very specific cultural, ethnic, socioeconomic makeup of people mm. that go into the public service. My generation, not so much. And the ones below us, it's definitely changed. And I think just as the demographic of Australia has changed, obviously so will the demographic of people working in different Industries, yeah, for sure, and jobs, and especially in Department of Justice, there's a lot of lawyers historically come from wealthy families, have had several generations in Australia to kind of grow their wealth and prosper, invest in education. Do you know? Do you know yes, what I'm I getting know. at? Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. blokes predominantly yeah. too. Still, yes, yes, still, yes. I mean, I mean particularly twenty years ago. Oh, for sure. So in my year, graduating year and the years below me, the tide has kind of turned in that most of the female law graduates are now women. But 
up until very recently, they were predominantly men. So, uh, yeah, for me, I've always felt some kind of pressure. Uh, yeah, mm. an intangible pressure to conform. Not that anybody would ever have any kind of expectation about the way that I dress. Or, do, you, do you know what I mean? No yeah, one's ever yeah. said anything. No, no. But maybe there's an unconscious sort of mirroring of what you see around you that then makes you feel a certain way. Because we were talking about this before and, I mean, obviously it's very different for me, but I recently did a podcast where I was the only woman in Mm. the room. And because I've come from teaching where it's just – Women for days yeah. and opinionated women. Everyone just talks all the time. And I came from an all-girls, you know, primary school mm-hmm. and then, no, ca- um, high school. Mm-hmm. And then I went into teaching at university, which was predominantly women mm. with a few blokes. So I just kind of had never really felt like an outsider. Mm. And then I sat in this room with all these comedians, who I'm also not a comedian, and all blokes, mm. and they were all jokey and talky and they were interested in sport and things I didn't quite understand mm. and references. And even though they were really lovely and friendly and it was fun, there was this whole other voice going the entire time which was like, you're different. You mm. Make sure you don't say the wrong thing. Make sure you don't say something that's too feminist or, you know, try and laugh along even if you don't understand what's what someone said or a reference or I'm trying to follow along with the story that's being said mm. and the whole time I've also got this other thought process running of you're the only woman here. Mm. So, yeah. you know. No, I totally get that. Don't you feel sometimes there there is this sort of unspoken tension for women, especially in if they're somewhat successful in their fields between – conforming enough so you can develop your career and progress, um, progress, become successful and also changing the script, changing the voice, changing the tide. So Mm. because you don't want to completely uh, to keep perpetuating the stereotype of whatever it is that exists, you want to change that. But then on some level, in order to get to the point where you can wield any influence, you kind of need to conform a bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's walking that fine line of yeah. being like, well, also people are looking to me as a woman and yeah. and maybe to you as a woman of African descent yeah. even more so that yeah. you want to date they're kind of like, well, you are representative of all the women or something. Let, yeah. Actually, mm-hmm. that brings me to something. You, let me tell you a little story. Oh, I, I love remember it. when I was in my first year in the public service, I was... A graduate and I was asked by the one of the HR reps to go do the per, do the thing where you go around to the universities and like spruik like grad jobs. So yeah. Like, look at me, I'm a public servant and I'm swell. <laughs> like look at yeah. all my experiences. It's a great job to right. have. Yeah. Right. So I was so excited because I was like, this is because I'm talented and cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not the cool part. I always think you're very cool. <laughs> yeah. But I remember going to my own university, I went to La Trobe. So I went with my HR rep to Latrobe and I stood next to the VPS graduate placard and I was like, join the public service. So all these people come to you, they ask you questions and stuff. And these three men who of Sudanese descent, I believe, because they had this sort of specific features, very tall, beautiful, dark skin, were asking some questions mm. and they were like, are there really jobs for people like us in the public service? <gasps> and I was like... Of course, like, yes, but we are different. And I was like, I'll stop you there. I'm like, I'm African too. I actually wasn't born here. You know, my parents are immigrants. Yeah. It's, I get it. I get the struggle is real, people. I get it. But if I can do it, everyone can do it. And they were like, yeah, but you have lighter skin than us. 
Wow. Yeah. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah. And they were making all these jokes. They were calling me Africa light. You're like diet Coke. Yeah. I was like the diet Coke of their, like, of like the African continent. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm offended. I'm offended by that remark. Yeah. Which like at the, at the time I was like, well, that's just dumb. And you're just being dumb. But then I had to, I had it, I stopped and thought about it. And I was like, well, can you think in the head office, how many people do you know that look anything like these gentlemen that have approached you? And I couldn't think of a single one of them. I wow. actually couldn't. And yeah. they actually had accents and things like that as well. So I was like, maybe there is a point to be made here that things are changing, but things haven't changed. Like things change takes a long, long time. Mm. And I looked every bit the part of a corporate lawyer as well. And for them, they were like, yeah, she does look different, but not that different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah, like African, but uh, like she could also not be. Yeah, she could also be a melting ethnic blend yeah. pot of something. Well, yeah, I can't quite tell where you're from, so I'm just going to look at you quizzically like, hmm, yeah. maybe she's South American. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's the thing. Then I think about like women, like, like women who are famous who are of African descent, say, mm. and you think about a Beyonce or yep. you think about even a Meghan Markle yep. who's biracial. There's something about those women, and I mean, even Michelle Obama and the way that she dresses mm. and her hair mm. and everything that kind of is like, yeah, we're we're African, but sort of, yeah. But also, we've conformed. We've got we're kind of easier to identify, you know. We're, also, or you can speak their language, yeah. So I think education is the great equalizer, especially for women who are of a non-conservative ethnic origin. I think. Education is really important because you learn how to communicate with people on their level. So it's necessary. But then also part of me thinks like that also, that also sucks too. It's mm. like I have to change stuff about myself in order to get ahead. Or... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, all this, all these <gasps> thoughts have come from my hair. <laughs> yeah. But I do I, – because what I also think is when you walked in with your killer hair, I just thought, you look amazing. <laughs> you just look gorgeous yeah. and great. And it's Thank the same – when I see, I mean, it's different, but Beyonce with her mm. hair, the way that she has it mm. naturally or in women with afros mm. and just even women who aren't conforming mm. to the way that we should dress mm. and the way that we should act and are starting to just escape from yeah. that conformity and actually celebrate our differences. It's yeah. amazing yeah. and important, I think, you know. and the And the way you look, like, should have absolutely no bearing on your intellect and your capability Mm. and your ability to contribute to society and Mm -hmm. you shouldn't Mm. aside from sort of maybe basic hygiene (laughs) i have to admit i probably pass a little bit judgment there (laughs) (laughs) but hey look no one likes anyone with some with bo i mean look if you have bo it's okay too we love you and accept you however Let's do some deodorant yeah. if we can. If we can. Yeah. You know, there are some people who have conditions who can't do anything about right. it and that's cool too. Yeah. But, well, this whole teeth thing, because I haven't seen you since I had no, my I how like, been. bones taken out of my jaw oh, and that was so intense. The, the worst bit of it was hearing the bone clink into the metal bowl. Oh, God. And I was high oh. this whistle thing that I was like sucking into and, they, and James <laughs> said I was so high but I was pretending like I wasn't high and being like, <laughs> I, I, I'm just – Make sure you call our friend David. And he's like, Who, what? Who are you talking to? What is happening? And he was, I remember him looking at me like, mm, I'll call David. 
And I was trying to act all like, and look out for the business. I don't know. So weird. Anyway, so I remember having these bones taken out of my jaw and I just wasn't prepared for it. Clink, clink in the bowl. And Mm. then all this drilling and vibrating and crazy stuff. Mm. And I'd rung the dental nurse a week before and been like, "Um, so is it going to be bad? She's like, I'll just be a bit like a really bad um, sort of tooth feeling. Mm. But other than that, You'll be right. Have some Panadol. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Hell no. It was full on. And then at the end of it, I mean, the dentist was amazing. They were, they've been so, so great and awesome. And I was just a mess of just like tears running into my ears while oh, they were doing it. Because I have like a big fear of the dentist. And so at the end of it, they put this blue mask on me, like in that episode of The Handmaid's Tale, where she wakes up after she's been like had surgery on her bits and she has that blue mask on her face anyway so then I was sitting there like some weird episode of the handmaid's tale and they had to like escort me just into the normal dentist waiting room with people waiting to get teeth fillings done Mm. and out onto the street with this mask on I was so shaken and just like Mm. terror but also I felt like everyone was staring at me and of course my whole defense mechanism has always been my smile like that's always been the thing I lead with and I wonder Mm. if it might be like that with your hair and the way you present yourself, that's your defense mechanism. Mm. It's your mask you can put on when you're nervous or worried Mm -hmm. or anxious. You present to the world in Mm -hmm. a way, Mm -hmm. everyone sees you in that way. And so that was taken away. And then my face swelled up like a balloon, like like the Grinch, like legitimate Grinch, like from like a Dr. (laughs) Seuss character. Even James just was having to like, just like, you look like a Dr. Seuss character. I'm like, I know. I was kind of adorable in a way, but I couldn't fit any of my dentures back in. And Mm. so for two weeks, I just, I couldn't leave the house. I did go buy some bread after a week and a half without any teeth in. And I scared the woman at the dentist, (laughs) at the baker. I kind of relished it a little bit. I was like, please, can I have just three scones? Thank you. (laughs) And she was like, I could see her face. She was like, that'll be $3.50. And she's like looking at me like, holy mother. What's happened to this woman? Anyway, that was a long way of saying I have had a lot of time to think about the value that we place on what we look like. Oh, yeah. And I think it's greater for women than for blokes. Like you think about how many really successful rich guys look gross, like big, overweight, like like big business guys, Mm. right? Often really overweight, drink a lot can often smoke a lot with mm. like, I don't know, there's also really successful guys who look after themselves, mm. don't get me wrong, but you can be a successful bloke mm-hmm. and be on TV mm. and have grey hair and be overweight and people will still listen to what mm-hmm. you have to say. But for women in the majority, we have to look Mm-hmm. a certain way we have to look beautiful we have to be skinny we have to and if we're not then we fit into the how brave is she category you know for being like overweight or whatever or being like a plus size model in inverted commas or mm. and, and then, oh, I've had a lot of time to think about all this but it it really has got me thinking and it's like with your hair and straightening it for so long or we, women spend so much time trying to be small trying mm. to fit into body shape and and clothes. take up less space in the world thank you take up yeah. less day, space be softer don't yeah. speak so loudly don't be so opinionated don't be so emotional I'm gonna cry because I was the kid in my class who wouldn't shut up like I was at the front of the class mm. I'd have my hand up all the time mm-hmm. I'd always have an opinion I was not an attractive kid I was very overweight when I was I was like a real chubby kid in primary school I was chubby too oh yay <laughs> yeah for the chubby people <laughs> but this is the thing like you you learn as as a girl then that 
people don't like that. No. If you're chubby and opinionated and and smart, people don't like that. They don't they don't find you kind of cute and adorable no. in the same way that a, a boy who's loud and opinionated would be. I mean, yep. you know, there are naughty kids in the world who are mm. boys who people find irritating too, but it's mm. just, it's different. And so you it's less learn. Appro- it seems less appropriate. It's less condoned when women act up, whatever that kind of yeah. means, I guess. No, I, I mean, I would agree. I would agree entirely with that. And it's a real, sometimes it can be a real sore point for me as well, because I just think it's so unfair that I have to go to all this effort. Like I, my mm. husband works in a professional job. He mm. gets up. 10 minutes before he has to go <laughs> yes. to work. And yes, he has to iron shirts and no one likes ironing. I get it. It's fine. Yeah. It's yeah. awful, right? Yeah. Uh, don't wish it upon anyone. Um, and bless him, he does do, do it himself. Mm. He'll curse through it, but he'll do it. <laughs> um, but he gets up, has a shower, quickly gets dressed. What I feel, he does his hair, which I feel is literally him just patting himself on the head three times. I'm sure there's more to it. Like I'm sure he really has a technique, but I feel like he's literally just tapping himself on the head sort of thing. Whereas the one thing with curly hair is just one, it's just one of the things that a woman has to think about in addition to their hair, their face, the way they're dressed, all sorts of stuff. I wake up, I go into the bathroom and I'm like, so what surprise does my hair have in store for me today? <laughs> because if it's vertical, like I can't, it's not something that I can just fix by patting myself on the head. Three times and clicky fingers. Exactly. Yes. Then I'm like, oh, great. Okay, now I've got to figure out how to work with this situation. And then God forbid, like, as a woman, you wake up with a zit, like a blemish. Mm. Holy hell. Yeah. You know, yeah. because women are meant to have clear skin. Yeah. Wear makeup, but not too much makeup. Yeah, don't look like you've overdone it. Yes. Don't, like, cake it on. Look like you've done your makeup without actually having look- to- yeah, yeah, without looking like you've done your makeup. Whatever yes. that means. Yeah. <laughs> and isn't that the ideal for everything? Like, yeah. look professional, put together, beautiful hair, clean mm. skin, but like you haven't actually done it. Yeah. <laughs> and so often I love it. Guys will say, I love women with no makeup. I'm like, you are not seeing women with no makeup if you like, I mean, also, I mean, to be fair, my husband James loves me regardless. And he's mm. now seen me with Grinch face and no teeth in and he's still awesome in there. So it's yeah. not every guy, but it is certainly in the professional sphere yeah. and on TV and in, in the arts mm. everywhere you look. It's just guys can, yeah, like for heaven forbid a woman has a zit. Heaven forbid you wake up, which happens with women, during your cycle, depending on your hormones, your body can be a whole size different. Oh, yeah. And so heaven forbid yep. you wake up with a zit, with hair that's vertical, and then you can't fit into your jeans. Oh, and, and and don't even get me started. Now we're starting to sound like historic women, <laughs> but just that whole idea of having to find clothes every day. And mm. men can literally wear the same pants mm-hmm. and shirt. They could buy the same pants and shirt just in a variety of colours or the same colours. Mm. No one says a thing. Mm. We have to think every day about what kind of variety of calotte slash pants slash skirt <laughs> situation slash jacket slash blouse slash mm. not too revealing mm. but not too conservative, mm. not too, you know, like do we wear heels, what kind of shoes, do we don't, like, you know, all of that stuff mm. and the energy that we expend oh. in trying to squeeze it and is. crimp and pluck and moisturise away. It is exhausting. You know, sometimes like. I think part of the reason I like working from home sometimes is it's not just because I can actually focus on what's distracted by things, but it's like I get up. I stay in my pyjamas and then I work. And no one says what I look like, mm. 
but I'm still working and I'm still getting stuff done and the quality of my work is no different to what it would be if I was at work that day. But I don't have to like put my coat of armor on mm. when I leave the house. Mm-hmm. In fact, the other day when I was working from home, I literally went out the front door to get a coffee because there's a, literally a coffee shop around the corner from our building mm. and I forgot to put my hair up properly. So when I came back and I went into the bathroom, there was just like a big chunk of hair that was just sitting in front of my, <laughs> <laughs> sitting in front of my face and I was like, wow, you look ridiculous. <laughs> like a five-year-old had put my hair up in a hair tie and just forgotten like an entire side of my head. <laughs> And the lovely barista was too polite to tell me that I looked yeah. like a crazy person. <laughs> but it's kind of like, oh, that's right. When you're seeing people, other people, you have to mm. do the thing. Do the thing. Oh, and God. Thing and doing together. the thing is exhausting. It is. Well, that was like when I had to have my dentures refitted mm-hmm. and it was about a week and a half after I'd had the surgery and mm-hmm. my face had started to, to sort of go down a bit, but I had like loose bits of string hanging from my gums mm-hmm. where the swelling had gone down, but the stitching was all kind of hanging mm-hmm. out of my mouth. Everything was still a bit swollen and I just couldn't get my teeth back in. Mm-hmm. And I had this kind of vision that what I would do is like do my makeup, do my hair, put my jeans on, mm-hmm. do everything so that when I left the house, people would look at me and go, oh, okay, so she hasn't been beaten up. She's not a homeless woman. She's actually a person Sorry. who's just had an injury happen to her. But then what a weird thing happened. I kind of just had a real meltdown. I just couldn't leave the house. I was so frightened that I stayed in my pajamas, oh. which I'm still in currently, mm-hmm. into to the very last minute before we left the house. And then I had to kind of just shove on things. And I put on a jumper and I had baby vomit on the back of it. Oh. And James is like, no, you can't wear that. So I ended up wearing one of his big hoodies, had exercise pants on and like, sneakers that I'd just been currently doing gardening in because I couldn't find my other shoes Mm -hmm. and we're running so late I needed to get to this appointment and I sat in the car and we were driving and I looked at myself and I just thought oh my god if you were walking down the street the people around you would think that you'd just come from a homeless shelter Mm. and then I started to cry but then I also started to think to myself yeah Claire because Everybody is just a human person. Yeah. And the stuff that we put on ourselves is just an armor. Yeah. It's not actually who we are. And you could be anybody. And just because you are lucky enough to be born in the right place, Mm. have the love and support of people around you, means that you aren't walking down the street from a homeless shelter with your son or daughter that Mm. you've had to escape from a violent situation because your husband pushed you down the stairs and you knocked your teeth out. You're privileged enough to have a home and people that love you, Mm. but it's all about the perception of other people. And then I, you know, you could be Mm. sleeping on a cardboard box and people would make judgments about you. So it just, and now we've kind of come to a whole other place. That's not even just about being a woman. That's just being a human. Being a human, yeah. But I do think that, it's harder for women to conform to what that perception of what we should look like comes, you know, from oh other God, people. Absolutely. And then the judgment. And I actually don't even think often it comes from men. I think it actually comes from other women. Oh, yeah. Women, women, I want to say women are the worst because they're not. They're the best. Yeah. Some women don't support other women or they find I think instead of seeing them as their allies they see them as their enemies and the easiest way to sadly an easiest way to attack a woman's credibility is to attack the way that she looks 
like to, mm. to attack her appearance. Yeah. Which is so crap because it's just like it's just incredibly unfair. It's like you're judging me for something that actually has nothing to do with who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. But um, it's interesting. Like I often contemplate the position I'm in in my life and I feel so grateful a lot of the time for all of the all of the things that I have and all the people that love me and like and I I can't remember I was talking to a friend about this and I was like why is it that I have been put in this situation where I'm blessed with all of these things and there are women in other parts of the world that are just suffering and mm. it makes me a bit sad sometimes yeah you know? it makes me yeah like Gosh. imagine if I was born in Sudan or mm. even if what if imagine if I was born in Syria like do you know what mm. I mean mm. there are Absolutely. a thousand things that could happen that could change my fate and and for the most part it's not that I feel like I'm just lucky and I don't do anything to create the world for myself but I also feel like there are lots of things that have happened in my life that actually are outside my control mm. that have kind of just played in my favor and I'm quite quite grateful for that that, yeah yeah but it is yeah it's definitely harder being a woman sorry to our male audience I'm sure I I don't know whether you feel differently and I'm sorry if you do but I certainly feel the pressure to be perfect all the time yeah Mm, that's what it is right yeah it's that pressure whether from ourselves or externally from Mm. other people to be perfect that everything we do has to be perfect that we have to walk that perfect line of being funny enough yep. but not too but not too over the top like loud enough but not too loud mm. like smart enough but not so that we you know outshine other people and one thing I notice too I often do is I apologize all the time mm. oh god that's the story of my life yeah I actually had a one one way conversation with my director about this once. I think she thought I was nuts. <laughs> so like she didn't actually say anything during this entire time. So I knocked on her door and then I said sorry, right? For knocking mm. on her door mm-hmm. and interrupting her. But that how else do you interrupt someone if you need to interrupt them? Like in yeah. they're in their office and they're at work. She wasn't on the phone or anything. So I knocked on the on the door and I'm like, sorry. Like that's how everybody that's custom. That's what you do. Yeah. And then I remember listening to a podcast, I think, about how women are always so apologetic. And, I, and then I was like, you know, people really shouldn't I was saying this to her. She wasn't saying anything. People really shouldn't say sorry for being themselves. So you know what? I'm not sorry. And she was like, okay. I'm like, sorry, that was probably a bit rude. And I'm like, wait, I'm not sorry. And she's like, Chanel, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, and she was like did you want something (laughs) (laughs) but that isn't that the narrative though we often do like walk this line like I often do that yeah even in my own head yeah Um, yeah and I've actually passed it on to my son. I saw him recently. Mm. He bumped into me he's like oh sorry sorry Mm. he's like learnt to say sorry in a way that yeah and I don't know and I just don't know if blokes do that do they knock on a door and say sorry no. Before they've said anything? No. Oh, well, I'm sure some do. I mean, some of it's also personality. That's very But true. I think women are also fighting against a convention more so than men. Yeah. You know, I just mm. think they I just think they do. I just think they are. Because yeah. my boss will come up to me all the time, and he's the most polite human being in the world. He doesn't yeah. always say sorry if he needs to talk to yeah. me. Yeah. Sorry for bothering you. Like, it's just like it's so silly, but yeah, but it's just a thing. Like one other thing that we have to we have to apologize for existing. Yeah, like I'm apologizing for doing my job. Like that doesn't yeah. make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. 
you know where a lot of this has come from too? It's from mm-hmm. watching The Handmaid's Tale, <laughs> which I thought we should do and we should talk about yep. now. Yep. I think it's a good episode to do mm. because I've, I don't ever think I've really understood the historical and political struggle of women. I, I don't ever really remember kind of really understanding or comprehending how different history was mm. not very long ago at all. Did you? ever do any feminist courses at uni no I never did so I did one year of gender studies which was really interesting and quite Mm. illuminating and then I kind of stopped thinking about it I guess but um absolutely things were very different not that long ago and Margaret Atwood's book is based on I mean the things that were happening yeah we're not necessarily all happening in the one place but we're happening to women in various parts of the world at the time when she wrote it which was when in the 80s or 70s mm. or something it was in the 80s yeah like, yeah yeah it's it's quite illuminating I think to realize that our situation is so different really in so many ways than it used to be but also isn't yeah yeah that's what it is it's sort of like I've started to see things I can't unsee them yeah you know I can't unsee how much harder it is or the inequalities around me now or just the unconscious things that I do as a woman that guys don't do, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. Or, you know, one thing I also used to do too, which I kind of have seen as well, I used to try really hard to be the blokey girl. Mm-hmm. Not blokey as in be blokey, but as in I really enjoyed hanging out with guys and I still do because they're so funny and great and so are women. Yeah. Women are funny and great too. But I had this kind of perception that other women were a bit of a drainer or a bit mm. – I don't know, talking too much about girly things and uh, I'd rather hang out with the boys and be one of the boys and, yep. you know, drink with the best of them and be that kind of cool girl. Yep. And and I still want to – I mean, I still love hanging out with guys and I think they're hilarious, but I also have changed my opinion about women as well because yeah. I think women are a broad spectrum of a lot of different yep. things and, you know, there's nothing wrong with also valuing – you have to find your tribe so, too, don't you? Yeah. Because I think if you are pre, if you're exposed to women that have particular views on things that completely contravene the way that you see the world, mm. then you start to think, is this the way that all women think? Yeah. And because I, I similarly to you, I used to feel a little bit like that. And so, and the people that I could relate the easiest to, I guess, especially in my formative years, like when I was a young adult, sort of mm. early, late teens, early 20s were people that I went to university with because I felt at the very least I could have an, a discussion on an intellectual level about something that is gender neutral yeah. with both women and men. And I was like, maybe mm. this is my tribe tribe type of thing. Mm. Because before then, and this is no, I don't mean to cast aspersions on any of my girlfriends from high school because I love them so much. They are my mm. family. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
family and we grew up together. Mm. But I think when you're in high school, you have particular views about the roles of men and women in society. Mm. And that is, I guess, shaped by our parents who had who grew up in a particular society, maybe our teachers who grew up in a particular society. And until you get a bit older and become a bit of a free thinking adult, you do feel pressure to kind of conform to those specific stereotypes. And Mm. then you go to university and you think, oh, actually there are people that see things differently to me that are my age that don't necessarily always want to talk about stuff that I'm not interested in. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought it was quite – I mean, university was a good time because it made me realise maybe there is a place for somebody like me in the world that doesn't involve me being – I remember being – so. F- sorry, I'm interrupting my own thoughts here, but I remember being 16 and having a life plan, right? Mm. And that life plan involved getting married at 22 and having kids by 25. Woo! Right? So yeah. me being the ripe old age of 33 and still <laughs> being without child, I – Clearly of, you know. You've really stepped outside I've the really life plan. I've really stuck into that life plan. Yeah. And that was more an internal pressure. Like that's what you're supposed to do, isn't it? You find yeah. someone, you marry them, you have kids, and then your life just keep, keeps yeah, going. Yeah, Then you get older and you kind of realize there's other things in life that I want to achieve and do as well. Mm. And there are other people who think similarly to me, including study, travel, life experiences, work, you know, finding a career that you actually have some degree of passion or interest in that can add to your life and make you and give you a full life mm. that doesn't just involve a family, yeah. like a, raising a family. Like getting married. Having that nuclear family type of yeah, yeah, life, like, you know. Because the end of every fairy tale is marriage. Yeah. She gets the man. Yeah. And know? it's not to say like some that's what people some people want and that's wonderful and good for them. Like if mm. they find that and that's their dream and it makes them happy, that's amazing. Mm. Like that's awesome. And and probably in some ways it's probably easier to just slot yourself in, right. you know. Yeah. And I'm certainly not a rebel of sorts at all. <laughs> um, there are lots of female lawyers, a lot of accomplished women. But I have realized as I've gotten older, I've sought out those people. Mm. And surrounded myself with their views, knowledge, values. Mm. And that's been a really important formative sort of experience for me. Yeah. Mm. Which makes The Handmaid's Tale really hard to kind of digest, right? Yeah. Holy moly. Like, yeah. It's hard for me, I find. And I mean, the death of Eurydice Dixon, who passed away, um, she was murdered. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The comedian. And also recently there's been sort of all of the Me Too movement that's Mm. happened and recently the head of Nerdist has been accused of a whole lot of sexual abuse and things by his – and emotional abuse by his former girlfriend. Mm. And a lot of this kind of stuff is happening and coming out and at the same time I'm watching The Handmaid's Tale Mm. and I'm just seeing the plight of women Mm. in this completely different way through Mm -hmm. this different lens. And being a woman who has – all the choices available to Mm. me, a wonderful supportive partner, a career that I really enjoy and a voice and a medium to be able to share that Mm. out there with. Understanding, I think the Handmaid's Tale is, a lot of it is shot really close up to faces. Yes, I've noticed that too. Yeah, and I think that that's deliberate because it allows you to step right into that character's shoes Mm. and really watch the play of emotions 
go through their heads and you feel like you're stepping into the shoes of women in other places, women yeah. in Sudan, women in Saudi Arabia, mm. women in Syria, mm-hmm. women whose children have been ripped away, women in the States at the moment whose kids are in cages. You know, oh, that's disturbing. This is getting so depressing. <laughs> but But that's what, to me, what is so powerful about watching The Handmaid's Tale and also super hard and makes me want to curl into a ball. Mm. Um, and even on top of that, the layer of childbirth and pregnancy mm. and the complexity that comes with having kings, but also the complexity with having a body mm. that is not always your own. Mm. You are fragile and, and women are super strong, but we also, because we bear children, yeah. our bodies go through all of this stuff. Yep. And it's like that Ali Wong comedy special that you really should watch. Mm. It's hilarious. And her take on the specific hell that is breastfeeding is incredible Mm. but also she says often i have suffered enough Mm. i have suffered enough Mm. and that to me is this kind of catch cry of yeah we go through a hell of a friggin' lot not Mm. only just before we have kids but you step through that doorway of even just the beginning of thinking about having kids and suddenly your body isn't necessarily your own. You have to, there's so much about what happens through that whole motherhood process that is a gift and so incredible, but also terribly hard yeah, and tragic and complex and violent as well. Oh, for sure. And yeah. I, think that, I think the prospect that you are like a living, walking womb is kind <laughs> of terrifying because yeah. you're like, I am me, I'm an individual, I'm in charge of my own life and my own thoughts and my own ideas and I'll do what I want when I want, right? Mm. Um, especially in this society and with the lives that we've chosen and c- mm. cultivated for ourselves, mm-hmm. that's the way that we view things. Mm-hmm. But then when you think about the idea of like conceiving a child, growing a child, raising a child, you're like actually – someone else is going to take my individuality from me. Mm. I don't mean that I don't mean it in a negative way, but it's kind of like you start being looked at as like a incubator, like a yeah, human, yeah. like a human, like an yeah. oven sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And people feel like when I was pregnant, I had random strangers yeah. just come up to me and put their hand on my yeah. tummy and, yeah. and I love that when my friends did it because they know me as a human and, and often would ask. You <laughs> Could know? you imagine doing it to a guy? <laughs> just going up to the living what did you have for lunch today? Yeah. <laughs> I love you, lasagna I can feel over there. Ooh, what a round, nice belly. You know, it, it's totally, it's ridiculous. It's like I worked with a guy who would sing the baby elephant song whenever I walked around when I was super pregnant. I know, because he thought it was funny because and also mimic the way that I walked because I did start Fantastic. to waddle by the end. It was real fun. It was a real fun time. But at the time, I just laughed away because I'm the cool girl. I'm the one that gets along with guys. I'm yeah. the one that cracks all the jokes. And yeah. so I cracked all the jokes with him and I was laughing and it wasn't until an older staff member mm. took me aside and in tears and said how can he do that to you that is so humiliating and degrading and yeah I wasn't in, and even then it's only after I had my son that I think back to that because at the time I was like oh she's a bit overreacting mm. and now I think no no she wasn't being overreacting mm. that was him kind of making fun of me mm. for something that I was I was working damn hard at the Mm. same time and still doing my job and growing a human elbow and a human eyeball at the same time and yeah it is it's this it is a really funny kind of it's not funny but it's yeah it is that weird thing that our bodies in their very nature do incredible things yeah incredible things yeah but it's hard you know oh yeah at the same time 
And I think mm. when things don't go as planned during pregnancy, childbirth, afterwards, women have a real tendency to blame themselves. Mm. And that is a really problematic thing because so much of it you can't control no. any of it. But no. it's almost like it's your fault, mm. which is interesting. So in The Handmaid's Tale, they always talk about women, women's problems conceiving and problems with I mean, the whole point of that Gilead society is to try and perpetuate a species which is dying out. That's my take on it. Mm. But the automatic assumption is, is it's the woman's fault. Yeah, I know. There's something wrong with the woman. Yeah. There's something wrong with the way women live their lives, which is why they become slaves in their mm. own houses, even mm. the wives. I know. You know. I know. And spoiler alert, we should say just yeah. in case anyone In case has anyone seen. hasn't watched it. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. But we are talking about alert. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. Even the wives, it's clear that they're subservient. Yeah. Yeah. That there is something huge in that when it's starting to come out in the show that actually it's more likely that the men yeah. are, um, yeah, infertile. Yeah. It's very... It's very interesting. And how the how the women who are educated and successful and independent have to morph into these ye old kind of backwards stereotypes of the way women used to be because they believe what those good old family values are the things that made the human race function. like yeah, thrive and things like that. Mm. So yeah, it's it's very interesting and, and I would agree sometimes it's quite hard to watch and in fact I'm often on my phone sometimes when I'm watching it because I can't handle some of the stuff that happens, Mm. you know. Mm. It's hugely confronting. Yeah. What I'm curious about and I would love to ask, and I've sort of asked um, James a bit about this too, is if the show, because it is so blatantly about the struggle for women Mm. uh, across the globe in different countries, in different times, Mm. But it seems to be a show that is universally, you know, celebrated by men and women. Mm. So I wonder if it allows men to see the struggle of women in a way that maybe they've never been able to see it before. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Oh, yeah. I mean, Goran's always said to me, he's like, man, I'd hate to be a woman. He's like, you guys have it so much harder. And he's always said that. Like sometimes he's joking, but I actually think he genuinely believes it's more difficult. Mm. Um, I mean, he's not watched the show because I don't know – I don't know. I think I just started watching it without him. But, mm. um, yeah, I think it would be a confronting thing for them to see. Like I really – Yeah. Yeah. And to appreciate all the things that women go through and have gone through throughout time. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, throughout history. And that's what I – that's what's kind of got to me too. I feel like I'm watching it and then I get these episodes where I have been locked in my house for quite a while. So mm. it's a parallel. But this – feeling of sadness Mm. for centuries and centuries Mm. of women. So women living now in our time who are dealing with persecution and oppression and Mm -hmm. raising 10 kids, five kids, two kids Mm -hmm. by themselves all day and not using their brain in the way that they might want to. Mm. But then centuries and thousands of years of women who have just been doing this in the Mm. background or even, you know, and not not that long ago, my husband's mum was telling me that she lost all of her superannuation and her job when she got mm. married. So that was, you know, in the 70s. Yeah. So not or maybe early 80s, she worked for government and yeah. just 
lost her job. Yeah. I mean, she and then they just kept re-employing her on contracts because it was assumed, and she, she didn't have kids for another nine years. Yeah. It was assumed that she would be taking away a job from a man. So, yep. you know, and lost all of the work that she'd done. And that was, you know, a generation ago. Yeah. Interestingly, actually, when I had my first professional job in a law firm when I was at university, I was quite, I had a colleague who I was friend, friends with, I would mm. say, and we had our yearly performance reviews and she was quite a capable, intelligent, very creative person. And she had told me a story of her performance review, which was done with another woman, interestingly. And she said, you know... I've got time, I work on reception, you can give me other work to do, I'd like to kind of go and do a course, learn a bit more. And her supervisor's response was, oh, but aren't you just going to quit your job and go and have babies? Like that was just the assumption. Mm. And yes, she wanted to have a family at some point, but I was mortified that a woman, when in this day and age, six years ago, mm. could actually say that. 2012, <laughs> I was like, maths, mm. women could do maths. <laughs> Chanel can't do maths. Women can do great maths. <laughs> they can. Mm, watch, um, what's it called? That movie about the African-American women at NASA. Oh, it's They're so amazing incredible. Yeah, that is an incredible. Um, yeah. And I can't remember what it was called. Anyway, but, um, but yeah, it there is, is There is an assumption. And there's also an assumption that women of a certain age are just going to go ahead and do those things. Like mm. go ahead and, and a lot of them do, but a lot of them don't, you know. No. And they're looked at strangely like, oh... Should you really be choosing a career over a family? Like, mm-hmm. should you really be? It's actually interesting. I was having a conversation this morning at brunch and one of my friends was saying, like, we're talking about kids and she's saying, the reason I want to have kids is because when I'm old, I, you know, I don't want to be alone. I want to know, I want to know that I've left a legacy, which I understand. Yeah. And I think that's that's fair, but then I but then I thought to myself, but wait a minute, there are lots of fulfilling great things that a woman can do with her life that don't involve children and why is it that just because you choose not to you you have less you've you've given less you've left less less of a legacy you've offered less to the world like i don't mm. think that that is a fair assumption to make, make. absolutely do you, do you know what i mean um mm-hmm. Absolutely do. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and because I think that men and women should have equal opportunity to be parents yeah. and be equally as involved in their kids' lives and conversely also then have equal opportunity to pursue careers outside of the home. Oh, too, for sure. And know? I think every family and every set of parents, if there are a set of parents, have to do it in a way that works best for them individually. Mm. Um, unfortunately, there is a certain pressure on particular genders to take roles, you know, mm. in raising kids, in working and making a financial contribution to the family. I think that's certainly changing. But I think traditionally, because women have been the child raisers and the ones that have stepped away from their careers, trying to fight against that kind of ideology is a hard thing. Yeah, is a really Absolutely. hard thing to do. Absolutely, yeah. And I, it's about choice, isn't it? Totally. Because just as women should be able to choose to be at home with their kids mm. if they want to be or do it in a mix or yeah. or be out of the home and be in careers, men should be able to have the same kind of choices and for, for sure. it to be okay and for for it to work, there has to be a flexibility. But it is, it's about that choice and the social for pressure sure. of yeah. feeling like if you're someone who's ambitious, then you're somehow perceived 
negatively or mm. as too pushy or too Just loud put, yeah, yeah. or too yeah. much. Yeah. That's the thing. I felt a lot in high school. I was always too much. Mm-hmm. I was too loud. I was too argumentative. I had too many opinions about things and I'm not supposed to be that emotionally out there and yeah. loud. And, yeah. Yeah. and the more that I conformed, the more that I tried to look like the other girls at school or mm-hmm talk like the other girls at school and be interested in what they were interested in and listen to boys and, and crack jokes, the more that I had more friends, the more that I mm-hmm. sort of felt I fitted in. And mm-hmm. so the less I did at school, I remember thinking about it, if I want to fit in and have friends and get a boyfriend, then I probably shouldn't be so opinionated all the time. Mm. You know, oh, that breaks my heart for teenage Claire, but I totally oh, understand. Yeah. But teenage Claire, but then look, and then you grow up and then you start a podcast network. <laughs> so and you everyone talk. will listen to my opinions on everything. Exactly. God, I was obnoxious and annoying, I'm sure, as a teenager. I know I was. It was painful. So I totally get that too. And, and you know, that kid that always has their hand up at the front of the class hmm. is a pain in the neck. I know. And the person. Oh that, man, I know. would be so happy if I had a kid that was the most inquisitive. Because I was really inquisitive as a child, oh, and I think yeah. that really irritated the shit out of my parents. <laughs> 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 They're like, "Stop asking so many questions. Why do you need to know why everything works all yeah. the time? But the world is so fascinating. Mm. You just want to bloody know. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up and tell me. Yeah, exactly. Or tell me you don't know. Don't yeah. lie to me. Yeah. And then make me go and tell other people the lies that you've told yeah. me. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But don't you reckon that has served you well in life? I feel like because I was always someone who was curious and always asked questions Mm. and then people got sick of answering them (laughs) all the time, I had to learn to independently find things, find things out myself. Mm -hmm. And it gave Mm -hmm. me a real strength and a real power to, I guess, create my own path for Mm. success like Mm -hmm. in fact this morning I was even talking about money right Mm. a very gauche topic for some ladies like a lot of women don't like to talk about money and fine like it can be a bit uncomfortable Mm. sure it can be but I think if you're a woman and you have a job and you are interested in making a financial contribution to your family whatever that looks Mm. like Mm. and even if you just want to make sure that you're sensible and if you know, God forbid you get sick one day or something bad happens that you've got a safety net available, you need to really think about what you do with your money. Mm. And I was actually just talking about superannuation. I'm like, do you know, I was telling them, do you know how much super you have? Do you know what your projected assets are going to be when you're older? Because I didn't know and I kind of just traveled along this path for a very long time just thinking everything will be fine. And then one day after eight years of working, I decided to check it and realized that I would be able to live for 12 years past retirement, and then I would have no money. See, crazy. Is, that is yeah, terrifying. T- terrifying. I was like, what? What do you mean? Like, I don't – what? How? How is this possible? Yeah, yeah. Um, and with a few small changes and becoming more educated about where my money was going and what was happening to it, mm. I've managed to change that. But I was never the kind of person that was like, well, someone else will just take care of me. Someone mm. else will just be my financial – a man is not a financial plan. Yeah, exactly. Chanel. Correct. That's very annoying. <laughs> no, I'm not apologizing. Yeah. I will be as Don't annoying as I like. <laughs> okay. Continue. But, yeah, but I mean, that I mean, that's just one thing about being able to take control of like one aspect of my life that is important for me. Independence is important. Mm. Um, obviously, I'm part of a family unit and I want to contribute to my family, but 
I also don't want to make anyone feel like I have to rely on them mm. for that. For mm. me, that's just me. Yeah. Um, but no one, no one sat me down and was like, "You need to figure out your money situation." You young need lady. To, yes, get your ducks in a row, young lady. But I just, for me, I was curious. I wanted to know, and then knowing, having the knowledge gives you the power to change stuff. Yeah. Knowledge is powerful. And so just going back to the Handmaid's Tale, the thing that upsets me, I think, almost the most is like how completely disempowered these women are. Yeah. And they have these little acts of rebellion, sometimes larger acts of rebellion, Mm. which makes me think like, oh, yes, women are getting some power some Yeah. yeah, Some authority back. They're getting some agency back in their lives. Mm. But, yeah, just – Completely feeling like you're you are not worthy of being an individual with the, your own thoughts, views, ideas, your own path mm. is what just really sits so badly with me with that show. I'm I like, know. damn it again, something I know. bad again. I have something to tell you. Mm. We're starting a new podcast. What? <laughs> what do you mean? I just have been thinking, Chanel. <laughs> I, you know what I do? You know how I always think about things? Mm-hmm. This is a good podcast. Okay. And I think, I mean, I, not that I don't want to continue with Just Make the Thing. I definitely do. I love Just Make the Thing. Yeah. But I also think, like, wouldn't it be cool to do, actually, I should ask you. You don't have to <laughs> like, say yes. When you say weird, you mean me. Uh, like, if we had this conversation no, and I wasn't no. And we, Maybe I'll take this bit out of the recording. <laughs> don't you think, though, that we should do a podcast about all this stuff? Yes. Do you see? Yeah, absolutely. Like being a woman. And I don't want to be like, it's a woman's podcast <laughs> for women, you know, but but just there is so much to say mm, about all of this stuff. I know. God, don't I know. You, don't you think? Yep. And I mean, not just on about The Handmaid's Tale for an inter- <laughs> though we could also do that, but I do think maybe that would be great mm. to do. Yeah, maybe we should talk so. about it off pod. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Mm. I agree. I think, yeah, the more we can do to empower other women, the better, like really. Yeah, 100%. And the more women's voices are out there. Mm. I actually just did an interview this morning with Helen Saltzman, Mm -hmm. who is just this like queen of podcasting who I met last year in Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. And after a year, it's like our anniversary of that conference I did in Copenhagen. I know. And we finally got to talk. And she is just this incredible powerhouse, hilarious and talented and super hardworking and does a podcast called Answer Me This and Mm -hmm. also another one called The Illusionist about words. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was saying, she said that there's only about a fifth of radio, I think in the UK, has women in it and a fifth of podcasting Mm -hmm. has women's voices. So the majority of it is still men. Mm -hmm. And the majority of my network or our network, the Planet Broadcasting Network, is blokes Mm -hmm. as well talking. I mean, they'll have – and blokes – bloke created shows with female guests often, Mm -hmm. but there aren't – other than our one, I don't have any podcasts on there that are created by women. Yeah. And I just think that that's crazy because mm. there's so many funny, clever, talented women out there. Mm. And why? Why are there not more women's voices? Yeah, I don't know. And I, oh, we're all too busy. We're all too busy doing our hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. 
I mean, it's a good point, isn't it? Mm. I mean, look, there are lots of podcasts done by women as well. It's, oh, yeah. You know, but I just think... But the large majority, it's men's voices. But mm. isn't that the way history has worked, which is mainly men telling women how they should be? And women smiling all the time. Yeah. Yeah. This And this yeah. isn't it. We're not hating on guys. Oh, God. If anyone no, thinks that, please I don't... No, I Because I, like... I love men and I don't think this is about trying to say women are better no. than men on any level. No. I think it's just about equality yeah. and that we're all human beings. Yeah. Like we were all humans in there. Yeah. It's not like men and women. I mean, we've got lots of differences, but the majority of what we are is the same. Mm. And we're not yep. kind of a bauble. As a, we're not decorative. We've yeah. got like opinions and thoughts and perspectives that are just as legitimate. Like why is it yeah. that sport gets to take up like a you know, a quarter of news news and newspapers. And I'm not saying that women aren't interested in sport. They absolutely are. But what about pop culture and fashion Mm, and all the stuff that women are also interested in? You know, that should also take up a part. Why is one thing legitimate and the other thing not legitimate? Yeah, I mean, sport's just little men running – well, not little, big men Mm. running around in little shorts, Mm. throwing things. I always used to joke with Goran about how I thought AFL was quite homoerotic. Definitely. They're always tapping each other on the bum. Yeah, and he's like – that's he's like that's gross. Only you would think that. I'm like, no, no. There's much many hugs going on. Yeah, and lower hugs. I can see what's going on. Yeah, like, you know, there's something very homoerotic about it. It is, <laughs> and that's okay as well. Like, yeah. you know, men like to get all nude around each other and run around and they be really silly. Do. They love, it. and that's cool. I'm down with yeah. that. It's totally fine. But it is. It's. I think if we want more women's voices and we want a world that is equal Mm. i'm coming to realize that we bloody have to get up there and say things okay don't we yes we're gonna keep bloody saying things oh my god we absolutely do it's scary though i know because i don't want people to hate us yeah some people will though i think Mm. that's the reality (laughs) people that believe the world should be like the handmaid's tale will probably hate us i know and that's the internet yeah (laughs) the internet is a freaking terrifying place that's what scares me yeah but i mean that's people that troll are just sad little human beings that's my view um i just yeah people are always people are going to dislike and disagree with what you say and the way you feel about things Mm. but i think it doesn't mean that you should necessarily not have a platform to express your opinion like Mm. as much as i like as much as i really dislike donald trump like with a fiery kind of hatred in my the pit of my stomach that becomes quite aggressive and irritated i also think that's given people a platform to react and also express their own opinions Mm. and that's also really important too because i think with all of this stuff that's happened the me too movement and so on and so forth it's given it's given some women the courage to kind of stand up and say no this is not okay yeah and i actually can't abide or i can't be silent anymore i have to be heard yes do you know do you know what i mean 100 percent. yeah i have to not keep straightening my hair yes I have to let my hair be how it is yes be who i am and yeah and stand up and say well yeah I'm going to actually say what I think, not what you think I should should. say. Yeah. I'm not going to always be pleasant. Yes. 
And I'm not always going to be happy, like enthusiastically happy about things all the time. Like I should be able to have a license to be me. Mm. I mean, that comes with its own caveats. You don't want to go around being aggressive or abusive to strangers. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's true. Or upsetting people. But I also think express your opinion. Yeah, like that. Respectfully. Respectfully assert yourself. Yeah. That's possible. Like, you know that term resting bitch face? Yes. Does it, have you ever heard a guy told that they have rich, resting bitch face? No. 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 Because they do. <laughs> because they're just not smiling wherever they go. Mm. I mean, to be fair, my go-to is a smile. Like, I enjoy smiling. That's my favorite thing to do. I yeah. do it all the time. However, I also know that that's sort of a bit of how I've been conditioned to mm. be. Mm. And guys just don't feel the need no. to do that all the time. No. No, they don't. And um, mm. I think they're, sometimes their irritation and their aggression, not their necessarily their aggression, their, their irritation and their frustration with things is always seen as more legitimate. And it shouldn't be, but no. it is for some reason. Yeah. Or the, if you're loud and opinionated, then you're shrill and annoying. Mm-hmm. Whereas guys who are, who are loud and opinionated, I mean, people can think they're obnoxious, but often they're larrikins and characters, mm. you know. And quite admired and idolized yeah 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 and often end up being leaders of things like they fail Mm. upwards that michelle obama was saying yeah often i've seen that time and again men who are incompetent end up being leaders yeah and i'm not saying that women aren't incompetent there are lots of incompetent women Mm. as well but but more often than not in my experience the really capable women don't always get promoted yeah, or if the road to road to that promotion is a lot harder. Yeah, you know? a lot. And I mean, I longer. think I've found professionally that even in my career in the public service, there've been lots of women that have tried to get in the way of my career progression. There've been oh, lots of lots of women that have been supportive, amazingly supportive, mm. but also like lots of women that kind of pit themselves against me. And I actually have no issue with competition I think healthy competition for when you're competing for something like a job is actually important yeah and you should be you should the baseline should be high Mm. but I also have experienced circumstances where people are trying to sort of indirectly sabotage you and in in my short time it's always been women which is weird like it's I don't know (laughs) strange is it that whole idea that you're competing for that one place at the table yeah so what makes you different is that you're a woman and Mm. kind of stands out but it's they're not going to employ two women in yeah god forbid they have more than one woman's voice yeah so it's sort of you're competing for that token spot Mm. actually even the board I work for there's only one woman Mm. and she's so clever like she's super I mean they're all very clever people don't get me wrong but um She's so clever. So I just, it's it's interesting. The higher up you get, the more you realize the hierarchy of like people is skewed. Mm. Ge- there's gender bias is very prominent. Mm. Like it's right in your face. It's right there. Right there. Wow. Mm. It's massive. Well, let's talk some more about this podcast idea that <laughs> I just threw at you. But I do think that the more voices that are out there saying mm. this stuff, we don't want to alienate guys or be angry or attack people. That's not what this is about. But no. it's about educating women and men and just kind of in the way that the world has been and, the, and mm-hmm. where it can go. Like I think, uh, yeah. you know, equality for everybody. Workplaces are better if they're less 
yep. if they're less male dominated. I think if things are more equal, everything yep. works better. There's yep. so many studies to show that. Yep. You need and a I balance. Think, yeah. And I think, you know, um, if people have, a, if you guys have opinions on the way that you see things and you have experiences of equality and things working well, then tell us because I'm interested to know how things are different. It's just in my experience, primarily, that is the way that the world has worked. And it might be different for some people. And that's really great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the more that happens, the better. So 100% curly girl. (laughs) No worries, smiley girl. Yeah, I'm going to smile away even with my gap in teeth. Okay, we should stop there. We've got a dog and a baby all like making noises out there (laughs) and a husband waiting to do some more work. So, okay. Thank you so much. Oh, pleasure. It's been so good to catch up. Okay, bye. 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 You've been listening to a podcast called Just Make the Thing with me, Claire Tonti and Chanel Luchev. For more podcasts from the Planet Broadcasting Network, head to planetbroadcasting.com. You can find me on Twitter at Mrs. Sunday Movies or on Instagram, which is the thing I prefer to tell stories on, at Claire Tonti. I'd love you to go and visit me over there. You can email the show if you are making something or trying something or changing something in your life and you want to share it. We'd love to hear from you at just make the thing pod at gmail.com and you can contact us there too if you're interested in advertising on our show also a recommendation if you found some of the themes in this show really interesting human ordinary which is another podcast on our network done by the wonderful sam loy had a really interesting episode drop this week just all about milo yiannopoulos the right-wing sort of activist and speaker and he had a lot of great things to say about listening to people on both sides of the debate so I think that is definitely a theme for this episode and I think going forward where we need the world to be headed really listening to each other is the key to all of it I think yeah so that's enough from me have an amazing incredible week and good luck do the work be consistent. Put it out even if you hate it. Helen Saltzman said that last week in my interview with her and that stuck in my head that you just have to put it out at some point. If she can hate her work and be so successful, then I think it's okay if we all do as well. And remember that sometimes just when everything is falling apart, that's where the growth is and it's becoming something new. So just a little reminder. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. G'day. My name is Sam and I produce the podcast Human Ordinary on the Planet Broadcasting Network. My podcast features stories about our relationships, culture and all the things that make us human. I'm about to start season three of the show and this year you'll hear stories from political activists, an archaeologist, aid workers, professional wrestlers and some of my neighbours. These are stories about the extraordinary feat of being an ordinary human. So head on over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and check out Human Ordinary. That's human forward slash ordinary. Cheers. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.